the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, you have heard the old saying, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Or as growing up, my family would have said, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Well, when Noel and I lived in Kentucky, that was more than just a saying for us. That was our reality. When we lived in Kentucky for some time, we lived up on a ridge in a valley. And in that valley, in that valley three kind of sizable streams converged. And so we had a great view up on that ridge, but the only connection we had from our ridge to town and to the highways out of town was a low water bridge. So whenever there were significant rainfall, the creeks would flood and the bridge would be underwater and we would be stuck. We would get calls from helpful people in the middle of the night, early in the morning, and someone would warn us, the bridge will be flooded in about an hour. You might want to get across the bridge so you can get to work in the morning. Well, John the Baptist's message in the Gospels is kind of like that phone call in the middle of the night, warning that now is the time to cross the bridge. If you wait much longer, you're going to miss something. You're going to be stuck. But you're going to miss seeing the salvation of God, as Luke says. So in our scripture this morning, Luke wants us to notice that this message that John has for us, it's in fact a phone call in the middle of the night. The metaphorical middle of the night. The Jews had been living in this middle of the night for quite some time. All right, we sing this in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Right, ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here. So Luke begins chapter 3 of his gospel a little more subtly, but with the same idea. He begins by listing off all the rulers of the day. He lists the emperor, Pilate, Herod, Herod's brothers, and then the high priest in charge of the temple. Well, for the Jews, none of these people were well-liked. Herod, his brothers, and the high priests were all technically Jewish, but they were all appointed and controlled by the Roman emperor and by the governor Pilate. They did not act independently of the Roman secular power. And then the emperor Tiberius, the governor Pilate, they represented ungodly forces that were in control of the Jewish people and persecuting them. And they were pagans. They didn't know God. And so the Jews at that time saw themselves in a kind of exile state. They were not at liberty to live as the true people of God in their mind. These rulers were cruel. Pilate in particular was known for his cruelty toward Jews who spoke their mind. Historically, it was a time when the Jews felt they were far off from what the promises of God were in the Old Testament. But in those dark times... In those uncertain times, the word of God came to John. Luke here is recalling a phrase from the story of the prophet Samuel. In the days of Samuel, the priests were corrupted. The leaders of the Jewish people paid no attention to the Lord. And we're told that in the days of Samuel, the word of the Lord was rare. And visions were not widespread. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. In other words... There were no faithful teachers, no faithful prophets. Instead, the rulers and those leading the institutions of the day did what was, whatever was right in their own eyes. 
Well, in the same way, the Jews lived under the malaise of poor leadership and difficult circumstances in the time of John the Baptist. Institutions like the temple were not bringing people closer to God. Rather, they were a means of lining the pockets of religious leaders. Titles like priests had often become a means to making powerful political friends and had little to do with ministering to God's people. And because there was poor leadership and crumbling institutional integrity, the people of God found themselves becoming complacent. Everything seemed so hopeless. And so many became apathetic. They became complacent about the things of God. Well, we see this over and over, even in our own day. Where there is faithless leadership, where the church becomes self-serving, people lose faith. They get lost in the wilderness. But that's exactly why John the Baptist is out living and preaching as a prophet in the wilderness. He's interested in connecting to those who have been left on the fringes. He wants to warn those who have given up hope to get ready. God is about to do something with the people of Israel. And what God is doing will not begin in the city center. It will not go through Caesar or Herod or the high priest. What God is doing will begin in the least of society. God will begin with those who are waiting for the forgiveness of sins, despite the fact that others have given up hope. We most often think of John the Baptist as austere. His message is serious and foreboding. But it's such a serious message because he does not want the very people God loves to miss out on God's promises. Sometimes it takes that message of tough love to shake, up, shake us up out of our complacency. It's like the doctor who reminds us that if we don't get more exercise or start eating better or we don't drop the cigarettes, then there will be consequences. They want you to change so that you can enjoy better health. Well, John wants the people of Israel to change so that they will be awake and ready for the coming of the Messiah. It's the Messiah that will take the people into the promised land that they're waiting for. Luke quotes from Isaiah chapter 40, Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The text was originally describing Israel's return from exile out of Babylon. But Luke is using it to describe the greater spiritual return from exile that Jesus is going to lead. John is waking up the people who wander in the wilderness because Jesus is coming to take them out of the wilderness and into a promised land. And that's why the images of Isaiah 40 are such wonderful images for us of the gospel. Every mountain shall be made low. Every crooked road will be made straight. All the rough ways shall be smoothed over. In other words, our path to God will be made accessible by Christ. Because Christ himself is our path to God. And this is the prophetic ministry of John. To wake us up. To tell us that God is coming for us and for our salvation. And John the Baptist has the same message for us even this morning. He's telling us, wake up, to get out of our complacency, to repent of our sins, to drop our cynicism, 
to drop our hopelessness, and to be prepared because the Lord of glory is coming to save us. How easy it is for us to get complacent in our faith in this world. It's easy not to trust our institutions, to be cynical about them. Right? How many politicians do we trust? How many leaders of our church denomination seem to be disconnected from their people? It begins right there. That's where the gospel is. That's where our hope becomes real. Right when we realize that our institutions won't save us. Rather, right when we realize that Christ has come to save us. But our spiritual problems come when criticism of our institutions becomes complacency, becomes a kind of spiritual stupor, because then we're not prepared for the wonderful work of the Lord in our lives. Christ has come to be our connection to God. Indeed, Advent does begin in the dark. It begins where things seem hopeless, where there doesn't seem to be a way out. But the good news in Advent is the good news that Christ has leveled every mountain. And so let him not find us complacent, wandering in the wilderness, acting hopeless in this world. Rather, let Christ find us anticipating his mercies. Let him find us full of hope, with eyes ready to see his salvation. Amen.